Good morning and welcome to our live stream on Sunday the 3rd of May. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. It's really hard to imagine, isn't it, that this is our seventh Sunday worshipping together like this. But I've been so encouraged this last week, every day, with conversations around the Burlington family. The way that we've been encouraging one another, serving one another, building one another up. It's said that the strength of a community is only really seen when those things that would normally have bound them together in terms of times of meetings and rhythms are taken away. We've had so much of that taken away and yet it feels like we are growing stronger together than ever before. We're going to encounter Jesus again this morning as we continue our series. A few weeks ago, we looked at the story of the two on the road to Emmaus and then Zacchaeus and then Nicodemus. And now this morning, we're going to encounter Jesus in and through the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's a story that also looks ahead and anticipates the Lord's Supper, the communion. You'll remember that when Jesus was on that mountain, he took bread, it says, and gave thanks and shared it out to the people. No doubt the disciples looked back after the Lord's Supper and saw the connections between those two feasts. And so as we think about the feeding of the 5,000, so we will prepare ourselves to share communion together in just a few moments time. I don't know about you, but I felt a bit sorry for Philip when Jesus said to him, you feed them. And Philip naturally, like all of us, he, he had no idea what to do. He, he recognised that he was just unable to help in the situation. And then Andrew chips in and says, well, there's only a, a couple of loaves and a, a, a bit of fish. This is just not enough here. We can't do it. That's the disciples' discovery that we can't do what Jesus says, at least not by ourselves, at least not without him. The disciples' journey begins with a a recognition that, that we can't do it. We can't live the Jesus life. We can't speak the way he speaks and act the way he speaks. We can't live a life that's worthy of God in the way that he did. The disciples' discovery is that we can't do it. We can't do what Jesus is asking. And what I notice about this story is that Philip and Andrew and I guess the other disciples were joining in as well. They they focus on what they haven't got. And so that they, they we haven't got enough money to feed all these people. We haven't got enough food. And even if we had the money, where would we get the food from? They they focused on what they didn't have. But then the scene moves away from the disciples onto Jesus. And Jesus, in complete contrast, focused on what he had. He displayed the posture of provision. Jesus focused on what he had, even though it seemed so pitifully small. So there are loaves and fish, right? 
bring them to me. He was interested in what he had, even though it just seemed so inadequate for the task. And what did Jesus do with the little that he had? He did two things. He gave thanks and he gave it away. The posture of provision is to have a spirit, an attitude of gratitude, giving thanks for what we've got and being willing to share it, even though it seems so pitifully small from our perspective. Paul, writing to the early church, reminded them several times about the importance of a posture of gratitude. And we understand in contemporary uh, psychology the importance of gratitude. If you followed any of the work of Brené Brown and the importance of gratitude to breed joy in our in our lives. Gratitude is such an important posture. But I don't know about you. So often like those disciples, I can find myself focusing on what I haven't got. I haven't got enough money. I haven't got enough food in that particular situation. What do you focus on that you haven't got? If only you had it. And yet, in contrast, Jesus focused on what he had, was grateful for it, gave thanks to God for it and was willing to give it away. And well, we know the rest of the story. It was a a, a miracle. And so I guess if the first point is the disciples discovery that, that we can't do things by ourselves, that we haven't got what it takes, that we can't do in our own strength what Jesus asks. And then if Jesus offers us this posture of provision to be grateful and to give it away however small it seems from our perspective then I guess the third point of the story is to remind us that in God's economy there is an abundance available they shared it out and it says that everyone had not just a little bit not just enough to to keep the wolf from the door until they got home from for their proper meal But it says they all had as much as they wanted and still there was not one, two, three, four, but 12 baskets left over. There is an amazing, abundant provision in the kingdom of God. And so you've got this incredible story, the realisation of Philip that he had nothing ended up with a story of him having everything. And isn't that what the communion story, journey, feast, is all about? We come recognising we have nothing. Nothing in my hand I bring. Only to the cross I cling, says the ancient hymn. As I come to communion, I realise, like Philip, that I, I, I've got nothing to, to bring. I, I, my own goodness falls so short. I, I can only bring my brokenness and my faults and my failings. I, I can only bring in the face of Jesus's call on my life to be like Philip and Andrew and say, well, I just can't, just can't do it. Just don't know, don't know where to start. I can bring myself only recognising that first step in of the disciples discovery that I can't do it by myself that I've got nothing to offer of myself and that's the posture that we come to communion but it's not the place that we leave communion we leave communion having received 
everything. We come with nothing, but we receive everything. Safety, security, the forgiveness of our sins, the call on our life, a purpose to live for, the assurance of life everlasting. So we come with nothing and receive everything. That's the communion journey. And I'm going to invite you to journey with me through bread and wine to take the journey of coming just as we are, recognising our faults and failings, recognising that we haven't got what it takes, like Philip, and yet receiving the abundance that's available from heaven. Let's uh, pause for a moment in this short time of, of just reflecting. Remember our series title, it's about encounter. We want to meet Jesus in this moment, so much more than just listening to my words or reading the story. But we want to meet him in broken bread and poured out wine. So as we come to this moment, to this meal, is there a sense in which we need to remember that of ourselves we are not enough? Are you striving in some area of your life? To fix it by yourself? Are you effectively doing what Philip might have been tempted to do to try and gather up enough money or to race around some shops and, and plead? He didn't know what to do. He came to the end of himself and it made room for God to step in. Is there an area of your life where you need today to come to the end of yourself and to say, like Philip, I, really, I, I don't know. I'm dependent on you, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. And as Jesus broke that bread and shared it and gave it, so we remember his body that was broken and given. He gave thanks on the night that he was betrayed. And then he gave, quite literally, his body for us. That gratitude and that sharing was what released the abundance of food on that hillside. It was that giving thanks and brokenness that released the abundance on another hillside on the cross, that released into your life and mine the amazing abundance of God. They came that day to the hillside with nothing and went away fully fed. We come to this meal with nothing but move away with everything. Let's eat and drink together, shall we, with thankful, thankful hearts. Before we drink the wine, Maybe there's an area of your life where you realise, as I said some moments ago, you, you're coming to the end of yourself. And it, it's hard to admit that you're coming to the end of yourself, that you haven't been able to fix it, that you can't sort it out, that you can't do it in your own strength. It makes us feel like we failed. It makes us feel less than who we want to be. But yet that admission that we can't creates room for the God who can. So where in your life do you need to surrender today? To surrender your striving, your struggling, your effort, your working harder and to make room for the God who can.
who brings into our lives, into that situation, his abundant provision. As we think about that area of our life that we can surrender and invite God in, let's drink with thankful hearts the new covenant, the new promise, things that are now certain and sure for us, the abundance that is ours. And so your death, O Lord, we remember. It's a privilege to remember your death and your resurrection we celebrate and we hold on to in the midst of these uncertain days and your final coming we await. Come, Lord Jesus. We long for your coming afresh in our lives and we long for the fulfilment of that promise that you will one day come again and that the abundance that's available will become fully known. For the feast on a hillside, for this little feast before us today, all pointing towards that great moment when together we will feast in the kingdom of heaven. We come with nothing and leave with everything. Hello, shall we turn then to pray together? At the end of communion, we always pray for one another, for our church family and for the world. And so we're going to do that now, but we're going to do that in um, a creative way. So if you've got a piece of paper and a pen handy, you will find that really useful. But if you haven't, don't panic. You can just use your hand. So first of all, I'd love you to draw on that piece of paper, uh, your hand. Just draw around it really simply. Here's one that I've already done. Uh, just me drawing around my hand. Why don't you do that right now? And when you've done that, we're going to use each of our fingers to pray. And so perhaps as I'm leading you, you might want to either hold your hand up like this as a way of saying, I'm praying, Lord, for these things. Or you might want to write or draw uh, on your hand the things that you're praying for under those headings. So first of all, we're going to pray for the hand, the finger that's closest to us. So we're going to pray firstly for our family and our friends and those that we're living with uh, at the moment. So let's pray for those closest to us. Father God, thank you for those that we are living with or our families and our friends that we know well at this time. Lord Jesus, we pray that they know you are close to them and that you will provide all of their needs. In Jesus name. Amen. Next, we're going to pray for those who point to us in the right direction, for our leaders, for those in government who are making so many decisions right now. So let's pray for those who point the way. Father God, we pray for the leaders of our world, the leaders of this nation and the leaders in our local government, in our schools, the leaders of our churches. Lord, give them the wisdom they need, the information they need to make right decisions and help them to lead in a moral and godly way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Next, we're going to pray for those who are significant at the, in the fight for coronavirus at the moment, the key workers, those who need to know God's touch and God's strength and God's provision at this time. So we're going to pray for the key workers next. Let's pray together. Father God, we bring to you all key workers, whether they're working in a care home, the hospital, those who are researchers, 
those who are in supermarkets, anybody who is considered a key worker, Lord, we bring to you right now and we thank you for them. And we pray that you provide their daily bread, all that they need to fulfill the roles that you have called them to be. We pray blessing on our key workers and strength and provision in Jesus name. Amen. This is your weakest finger, apparently. Have a little go. Is it? Is it your strongest finger? No, it's certainly not. So we're going to pray for those now who are struggling within our community that we know, who are sick and who need uh, God's healing at this time, but also those who perhaps are struggling with loneliness or feeling like this is very overwhelming. And we're going to do that just by giving you an opportunity to pray yourself in the silence. So I'll start and I'll say amen. But in the middle, why don't you lead your own prayer, whether you're with others or on your own. God hears the whispers of our hearts. Father God, we pray today for those who are sick and struggling. We name them to you right now in Jesus name. Lord, be all that they need today. May they know your presence and your healing touch in Jesus' name. Amen. And we turn to our final, our little finger, and we get the chance to pray for ourselves. I need God every single day, every single hour, especially as I feel like often I'm walking through a dark valley. So let's pray for ourselves, shall we? Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are with me. And sometimes it feels like I'm walking through a dark valley at the moment. But I cling to those words in Psalm 23 that says, You are uh, my shepherd and I shall not want. And even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, you are with me. May that be the truth this week. May I know that you are with me. In all that I do, in all of my needs, in my mind, in my heart, in my time, in my energy, in my sleep. May I know you are with me. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. May I experience that this week in Jesus name. Amen.